Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody, uh, welcome to the latest episode of Across the Romaverse, your official Kiesa di Tati podcast. Um, I have a bit of a special uh, episode today. We're going to be discussing tomorrow's uh, Roma Fiorentina match. Um, so I thought it'd be a good idea to bring Tito, the uh, head honcho from our Viola Nation, our sister site that covers Fiorentina. Uh, we're coming to you on Halloween afternoon. Um, so it's a little bit past noon here in the East Coast. Um, Today's a cheat day for me, so I just finished about five or six pancakes. Tito, how's your morning going so far? <laughs> Not nearly that good, unfortunately. Uh, pancakes, dang, Brent. You yeah, gotta... I, I don't do it often. I've been on a, a bit of a health kick in 2020. Um, you know, when you can't go out to restaurants and things like that, it makes it easier to eat healthy. But I just woke up today. I was like, I really want some pancakes. And so I followed this uh, recipe I found online, unbeknownst to me, that produced like eight or nine pancakes. So I ate half in one go. Yo, I support that wholeheartedly. There's not a whole lot of joy you can find in this life right now. So, like, eat the pancakes. Yeah, I'll, I'll save the rest for later. Um, yeah, so before we jump into the actual football for today, since it's Halloween, let's do some Halloween banter. Why not? Oh, okay. Sure, uh, why not? Um, that, that makes sense, because Fiorentina has been a horror show this year. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, and Roma wore their Halloween kits the other day against uh, Cheska Sofia. Uh, oh, Yeah. I don't know if you saw him. I, did, I actually watched that, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. I was, uh, cause I'm a Fiorentina fan. I hate everything, including so watch, myself. So you watched Roma versus Cheska Sofia? Yeah. Mostly mostly trying to get an idea of what to uh, expect for the weekend. Yeah, well, that, that, was because, pretty much, that was pretty much the B team he's been swapping out. I, uh, yeah. In our preview this morning, I compared it to like a traveling salesman having two different families. So he has the good family, he plays in the league. And the sort of secret family plays in the Europa League. <laughs> Are you saying that Juan Jesus is the is the redheaded stepchild? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I don't know. He's a, he's he's tough to to pin down. I mean, I think on the balance of things, his Roma career has been a net positive, but he's making like two and a half, three million euros, which, considering how rarely rarely he plays, is sort of highway robbery. And I think there was a point over the summer where they straight up told him, "You're not going to play. You're not even going to dress." Um, I don't know what changed for that, but he's. Um, become a Europa League staple with Federico Fazio. Uh, I mean, pretty I'm, I'm assuming it's I'm assuming it's just everyone's ACLs tearing because it's Roma. <laughs> yeah, we're over 20 now in the past four or five years. Um, but surprisingly, when they played in uh, against Burn uh, against the uh, Young Boys in Burn on a synthetic pitch, 
no injuries whatsoever. Maybe that's the secret. Okay, anyways, Halloween. Um, we don't know what <laughs> trick-or-treating is going to look like this year. I guess I'll find out in a few short hours. Um, but so when you were a kid, what was your, your best costume, do you think? Oh, man. I dressed up as a headless man one time when I was a kid. I made a uh, like a big tube out of uh, cardboard and put it on my shoulders and wore one of my dad's suits and pinned the arm with a wow. glove so it was right under my chin and like ran my head through the hole in the shirt so it looked like I was holding my head. That was pretty good. I'm very proud of that one. That's really impressive. Um, yeah, mine, I, uh, mine, I would say sometime uh, I'm a, a few years older than you. My, it was probably in the late 80s, early 90s. I dressed up as a punk. So I had my hair like spiky. I spray painted it pink. I had these like dangling spike earrings. And I had a denim, uh, denim coat where I cut the sleeves off. I had, I think, like pink Chuck, um, Chucks, Converse Chucks on. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um, so just exactly how you look now, basically. Well, yeah, when I got, when I got to college, <laughs> though, I was, kind of a, I was kind of a punk in college. I liked all that kind of music. I wore like the shorts that go way below your knee. I wore like DC skating shoes, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it was like uh, maybe my sophomore year, I had these two friends who one was literally a punk. He was in a punk band. And the other one was like um, one of these kids who's like a freshman in college, but he still dresses like he's in seventh grade. <laughs> kind of know what I mean? No offense to anybody who does that. It was just all just like Aeropostale and stuff you could tell his grandma bought for him. <laughs> so for Halloween, they thought it would be funny to dress up as each other. And so the punk kid had a pierced lip. So he took like a uh, paper clip and bend it around. So the, the nerdy kid, quote unquote, put it on his lip to make it look like a piercing. So they dressed like each other. And it was just one of the best things I've ever seen. Um, That's pretty good. Let's talk about uh, Halloween candy. Give me your, your top three when you're trick-or-treating. What would, what would it send you over the moon, your top three candies? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say probably Butterfinger, Ooh. Reese's, and uh, I don't know what the third one's going to be. Well, let's, yeah, get any, clar- let's get some clarification. What do you mean by Reese's? The cups or the Reese's pieces? The little tiny Oh, the, the cups for sure. Okay. Butterfinger, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker for that. I've always liked the uh, toffee and the peanut butter thing mixed together. Wow, I, I never got into those. I think that was one of the things I would give to my dad when I would pick everything out. Butterfingers, oh, would... Butterfingers and Baby Ruth automatic pull out of the pile, throw them away. Oh, yeah, Baby baby Ruth, are, that's a no-go. Absolutely not. I'd, for my yeah. money, I'd say um, it sounds kind of boring, but I really love just like the straight-up M&Ms, the plain ones. Those are my favorite. I love sweet, oh, tar- sweet tarts. I love sweet tarts. You don't like what? sweet tarts? Yeah. No, those are disgusting. Oh, my God, they're fantastic. And bottle caps. Have you had bottle caps? Yeah, Bren, we're not all <laughs> trick-or-treating during the Depression, man. We don't know what your old person candies are. What, are you going to come out with some Necco wafers next? I like Necco wafers. No, <laughs> bottle caps are still around. It's a Willy Wonka candy. Yeah. You really, you really not, never seen them? I, no, I've seen them. I, don't, yeah. I just don't. They didn't leave much of an impression on me, I don't think. Okay. The strangest thing I ever got once um, was this guy in my neighborhood. It was a couple streets away. He gave me, uh, I'm not exaggerating at all, he gave me a potato. What kind? Like a russet or a red? Or like uh, it was a, a red one. Gold? It was a oh, red okay. one. It was just a straight potato. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. when you go to like, there's always like the one or two houses on your street with elderly people and they give you like, um, like a little baggie of pennies and things like that. And yeah. There was, there was a dentist in my neighborhood who would give people like the little tiny toothbrushes for free. Oh, that. What a jerk. 
If you're a kid and some dude gives you a toothbrush on Halloween, you can go paper that house, I think. Right, and then you, you always had to find the house that gave you the full-size candy bars. There weren't that many in my neighborhood because we weren't terribly rich or anything like that. But yeah, I got a potato and then pennies. But let me ask you this, though. The real, the true test of your ethics, or your morals are, if you went to a house and leave you the bowl, no one answers the door, it just says, take one. Are you taking one or are you taking a handful? It depends on what time it is in the night. If it's like pretty early on, I will, I would just take one. Sorry. I said, I will, like, I still do this. I have not gone trick or treating in at least like two decades. Uh, if it's towards the end of the night, like it's, you know, 1030 or something. 1030. I would clean that sucker out. Yeah. Wow. You guys trick or treat late. We always wrapped up around nine or so. Yeah. I mean, that's why you stay out late. Cause then if you can, uh, that's a good point. You can just clean out all the bowls that people leave out there and then, yeah. So that that was my it was it was very much a time based thing for me. All right, so let's let's try it. I'll try and segue this into actual uh, football. Um, I'm intrigued to hear how you yeah. do this. All right, so we're talking about Halloween. Who is uh, the scariest player on Fiorentina right now? Uh, Nikola Milenkovic, no question. In terms of who scares you while you're watching, not who should scare us. Well, give me one of okay. each. Give me one of each. Yeah, I'll say who should scare you is Milenkovic because he is a simply enormous human being. <laughs> Like he he's so big, uh, he, and he's also probably playing better than anyone else on the team right now. Okay, except for maybe Gaetano Castrovilli. I was gonna say you almost ruined one of my talking points here. Uh, hey, <laughs> I got you, I got you. So we should uh, be yeah. scared Milinkovic, but who scares you as a Fiorentina fan? Uh, Martin Casares, no question. He has had at least one catastrophic miscue every game so far. Like, I love the dude. I love his commitment to wearing as little clothing as he can possibly get away with, like rolling his shorts up all the way and never wearing a shirt in public. But, yeah, he needs to go. He needs to go sit on the bench for a little bit and think about what he's done. I I would say the fact that he's still playing in a major European league has got to be a victory in and of itself, though, when you consider, you know, how injured he's been. Oh, yeah. No, I've I've got nothing but respect for the dude as a player. But, like, he's, he's just been in a run of really really miserable form just like <laughs> passes to no one he uh he took a goal kick against uh oh god who was it uh Padova in the Copa or no not no it was Spezia last week he took a goal kick for some reason and just lobbed it about 30 yards out straight to a Spezia forward and you could tell this guy got saw the ball coming was like what do I do? This is like, <laughs> this isn't supposed to happen. Now what? And everyone just kind of froze because it was such a weird situation and no one knew how to react. And that that's just like the Martin Casares experience. This Can you, that's kind of funny you mentioned that. So I, I was just watching, you know, ESPN throughout the week and they've been talking a lot about um, Cam Newton, the Patriots quarterback and how they think he might have the yips. Yeah. Where you sort of forget to do routine things, which you mostly see in baseball, but you're telling me you can kind of get that in football. Soccer, yeah. Calcio. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think Casares has the yips. Uh, Amrabat's got a little bit of the yips going on. He's still trying to settle in, and he's also making some passes like directly to other people who are not wearing the same color shirt he is. I, th- I think it's just him settling into a new team, new city, all that. But yeah, there's there's some yippiness. There's okay. some yippiness right now. Uh, I guess if I'm gonna answer my own question, I'd say which player should scare you most? Yeah, um, please. I guess Jekko's the easy answer, but I'll go a different direction and say Roger Ibanez. 
okay. He's our young uh, center back who we got from Atalanta. He's uh, essentially we're sort of viewing him as the new Marquinhos. Um, yeah. So we're all just anticipating come June first, twenty twenty one, he's gonna be sold because he's just he's just that good. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's he's, just, he's electric. He's smooth. He really knows what he's doing. I think he he plays. Like he's like thirty as opposed to twenty two or whatever he is. Yeah, it looks you're like saying he's about to he, say going. You're saying he's electric? Would you say that he is an Ibanez all star then? A what? It's it's a guitar joke, never mind. Okay. <laughs> never mind. Sorry. I thought I was being really clever. No, I oh okay, I got it. yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. pronounce it the same, Ibanez, when you're talking about guitar? I, I, don't, say, I, I don't I don't think so. I'm I'm a drummer, so. so I don't actually know. But I think oh. I think it's Ibanez, Ibanez. I don't know, man. Your I drummer just stuff so that sticks. Yeah. What's, what's your kit? What do you got? Uh, well, nothing now because I live in a fairly small apartment, and that uh, having a drum set in here is frowned upon by management. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, used to play a Pearl with uh, Zildjian cymbals. All right, who's your favorite drummer of all time? Oh uh, man, uh, Tony Hadjar probably used to play with uh, at the drive-in. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. He was yeah. really good. Played in uh, Sparta afterwards. I was just going to ask you, where'd you go on the split? Were you Mars Volta or were you Sparta? I'm, I'm more of a Sparta guy, yeah. Like the yeah. weird 15-minute noodling around on guitar and Omar wailing something into a microphone while curled up in fetal position always struck me as a little bit too much. But, like, you know, I still like the Mars Volta, too. Yeah, I, I think you have to respect them for trying new things and just their, their pure musicianship. But, yeah, they, they can be a bit esoteric. But, yeah, I used to love Sparta. Yeah, man. Still, I still do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Great band. That's one thing. we. I didn't know that. That's great. Uh, hey, El Paso, yeah, so, good Texas band. Yeah. So we, that's right. Yeah. So Ivana should scare you. Who scares us? Um, oh, God. Uh, I'll probably go with Brian Cristante. Just, that just was going to be my guess. Yeah. Just simply because he doesn't play like a $30 million player or a 30 million euro player. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I think uh, there's two sort of axioms, I would say, if I was a director of sport, things I would never do. Never buy a player off of a World Cup bounce, which Rome has done before with Robin Olsen. But you look back, you know, pick, take your pick. How many players over the years have been sort of seen their value inflated? And my second one would be is never buy a player from Atalanta. Ibanez? No, I'm talking about Cristante. Oh, yeah, I'm saying. But Ibanez was from yeah, Atalanta too, right? He barely played from them, though. I just, I just feel like their system is so prolific for the players who are there. I think when you pull them out of that, it's tough to tell um, if they're going to succeed. So those are the two who would scare me. Uh, all right, fair. let's let's fully transition here. So, um, like I said, we have Tito here. Tito runs uh, Viola Nation, our Fiorentina site. So I'm curious, Tito, why are you a Fiorentina fan? Um, I always just assume that maybe Linda Fiorentino from Men in Black was your favorite actress, so it was an easy transition for you. How did you know? <laughs> That's uncanny, Brent. She was good uh, in that. I don't know what else she's done, but um, no, really, I have no idea. Why are you a Fiorentino <laughs> uh, fan? It's, it's a confluence of factors. Uh, my grandmother uh, was Italian, and she was not actually from Florence, but it was her favorite city. That's where we scattered her ashes, all that. So oh, I always wow. had that connection. And then when we got cable, I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, maybe. Okay. And uh, we got Sky Sports. And it was the first time I had gotten soccer regularly on TV because, you know, when you're in Texas, that's not generally what's on the screens. And uh, they would do a Serie A segment, like maybe once every couple of days. And okay. it was, oh, this would have been what, like 2001-ish, 2000, 2001. So good times, 
sort of to be a Fiorentina fan, but I remember seeing the uh, the purple shirts and like a bunch of goals and being like, yeah, that's it. And because I'm sort of a slightly contrary person, I wasn't going to follow along with like one of the big clubs or like an English club. So ended up being that. And then uh, found the old Fiorentina offside site back when it was there that uh, eventually transitioned into Viola Nation when SB Nation brought them in and hung out there for a while. I was like, oh, yeah, these guys seem cool. I'll do this. Nice. Now here I am, yeah. That's a pretty cool personal connection. Yeah, mine was kind of similar. Um, I just fell into Rome because my family is just from east of there uh, in Abruzzo. Uh, but I just... Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, so I, same as you, I, I had no um, attraction to English football or anything like that. So I mm. sort of felt like if I'm going to follow soccer, I'm going to follow something that has at least a tangential um, connection to my background. Um, but I kind of assumed, uh, since it's Rome, it's one of the most famous cities in the world. It's the capital. I thought, oh, they must be one of the powerhouses in the league. <laughs> I mean, relatively, they're relatively. up there. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I think it's kind of like you said, it's you get to follow a larger-ish club without really being a bandwagon kind of person. It's like when you meet someone who's, who's like a Red Sox fan and they live nowhere near Massachusetts, you're like, okay, come on, buddy. Yeah, or when you, you know see all the Juventus fans since Cristiano Ronaldo moved there. Uh, shout out to poor Danny, who's having to deal with that over at VWRAO. I, yeah, the I heart positively bleeds for him. Yeah, I don't envy him doing that at all. Um, okay, so let's let's move a little bit here. So your podcast is kind of famous for, on your third episode ever, you had the owner of the team, Rocco Camiso, take over. Yeah. Um, so you've already told me how that came to be, but I'm just sort of curious. So how long is he on the team now, officially? Oh man, it's since last summer. I could probably pull up my calendar and tell you the exact date, but it's Five been years, a year, year a half. year and change. Yeah. So, forgive me for my ignorance here, but what do you what do you think is the biggest difference so far between him and the prior owners, whoever they were? Uh, the Della Valle brothers. Oh, that's I think correct. The, okay. Yeah, I think What's the big the difference is that Rocco is very outspoken about everything, and the Della Valles were much more quiet, like sit in the background. Uh, not really be involved with the team so much. Uh, Rocco has been there. He knows every player on the men's team, on the women's teams, on the youth teams. Like he goes out to dinner with them, like hangs out, talks. He's, you know, I think he's a very personable dude, which helps. Uh, And he's also, as I'm sure a number of people have noted around the league, been pretty unshy about sharing his opinions about how Serie A and Italian bureaucracy work. I think he's ruffled a lot of feathers doing that, which has been sort of funny to watch in and of itself too. So I would say that's the big difference is that he's just way more visible than the De La Valle's ever were. Sure. Um, and I think from what I understand, he is in terms of personal wealth, the wealthiest owner in the league. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, maybe single owner but i think when you look at like the agnelli's probably combined have a lot more money uh and then uh steven zhang over at inter you know it's him and his dad and it's a consortium so like who actually knows i don't really think those rankings mean anything no. if i'm being totally honest i yeah I, I thought i heard that somewhere but um yeah i've, I've heard it but i don't know if yeah. it's entirely true so in terms of like how much he can sink in Okay. On his own, yeah. That, that's kind of what I was going to ask you. So it's 18 months under the helm of uh, his leadership. So what are the biggest challenges Fiorentina are facing? Uh, the biggest one, I think, is just clearing out all of the rot from the Della Valle era. I mean, things had stagnated so badly there, and the team was just miserable. There, there was no real direction. 
Uh, I think I think Rock has brought a lot more energy to the actual like running of the team, which has been nice. He's brought in some new people, but a lot of the old guard are still in there. I think that is frequently a little bit problematic. Uh, let's see. I mean, his big thing has been getting a stadium built, which you know, been working on that in Florence for. 10 years now i'm sure that you know nothing about the uh stadium saga over there in rome but uh yeah same same kind of thing and he's been squabbling with the local politicians and the regional politicians and the national politicians to try and get this thing done so i think that that that's been his big thing more than anything is getting the stadium built getting that revenue stream from it instead of being a zamparini where he's trying to get in the locker room and like tell the coaches how to play and like fire everyone too often, which is actually great. I'm thrilled that he is involved, but not involved like that, that, you know, he's clearly a very sharp businessman and he's focusing on the business side and leaving the actual soccer side to people who do that for a living. I think that's just absolutely the most positive possible outcome. Yeah. That, yeah, we don't need any more Jerry Jones. Uh, So what would you say your expectations are under Camiso long-term and short-term? So, Everything goes perfectly five years from now. What does Fiorentina look like? I think five years from now, Fiorentina is consistently in the Europa League and pushing for that fourth Champions League spot, playing in their own stadium. Uh, Just a very solid, like not quite top level, but almost top level team with a really good youth development program, really good academy. Uh, buying young players smartly, selling at profit, and just maintaining that, which I think is probably the hardest thing in the world to do for a team. I mean, you can get lucky and shoot up the standings for a little bit, but those teams never sustain that. They always drop back down, it seems like. So that to me, that is the long-term goal. The short-term goal is to uh, not get relegated right now <laughs> because this team is <laughs> – I don't know if uh, – I mentioned this already in this podcast, but they're terrible. They're so bad. I don't know what it is, but they're so bad. So, yeah, let's let's not get relegated. Yeah, I mean, they're only one point behind Roma. Um, but, yeah, they were pretty close towards the end of last summer, towards the bottom, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, that's, that would be weird to have Serie A without Fiorentina. I wouldn't like to see that. That's happened before. I think it would be fine. I mean, the year before it was the, the last match day. Wow. Been, uh, yeah, which was pretty wild and horrifying. Gotta, so, yeah. Yeah, no, last year it was like, what, two – Three games remaining, I think, that they secured survival. So, like, hey, look at this. Improvement. <laughs> yeah, man. Hi. Uh, God. Okay, just... so, yeah, at this point, we're less than 24 hours from kickoff. Both of our sites have put up our respective match previews. Um, so, despite how poor you say Fiorentina is doing, there's only one point between Fiorentina and Roma on the table. Um, so, why don't we just do a sort of a, a brief overview of how your season's gone so far. So obviously um, from an outsider's uh, perspective, the biggest Fiorentina story over the year or the summer, excuse me, over the fall, I should say is uh, Federico Chiesa being sold to Juventus. Yep. Um, I know we, we talked about that in our Juve podcast when we were both guests. Um, so sort of, sort of tell us maybe if you can give us what was the, the mood in the room amongst your readers, amongst the fan base when that went down. Uh, I think everyone was pretty much, resigned to losing him okay i mean i I think i I think i'm actually a little bit easier on him than a lot of the the other folks around vnr uh just because like you know he 
been at the club for a long time. They had failed to surround him with anything resembling talent for his entire tenure. It was pretty clear that he was ready to take the next step. Uh, He wanted to stay in Italy, which, you know, he's a 23-year-old kid moving abroad into a new job for the first time in a place where you don't speak the language of the new culture. That's that's insanely, like, Uh, scary, yeah. So I, I don't blame him for wanting to stay in Italy. And then Juventus were the only team that had the money and the inclination to buy him. So, okay, sure. That's how it's going to be fine. Uh, I, I get that. I'm still a little bit chapped about how he left. Uh, no, thank you to the fans. Where in, No, thank you to the club he played at for a decade through the academy and everything. Uh, no, thank you to anyone he told the management that he was going to sign a contract extension and left Joe Barone, the, uh, not the DS, but someone in the office just waiting in a, in our conference room to sign that while he, instead he went to take his medical at Covertano for Juventus, which is kind of, kind of a jerk move. I'll say, I think that's not real cool. So yeah, I think that, I think that left a pretty bad taste, but overall, you know, getting money for him in this economy given the COVID snap, it like it's probably about what it is. And then seeing him get sent off admittedly for an absolute nothing burger against Grotone in his first game was also pretty hilarious to me. Yeah, that's right. So you've had over the past several years, you had um, Bernardeschi as sort of the marquee player. He went to Juventus, made way for Chiesa, who was the marquee player. Who is the marquee player now? Who's filling that Chiesa void? Uh, Gaetano Castrovilli, calling back when, to your, When uh, will he be going to Juventus? Never. I hate you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell us, tell uh, us, for those of us from here, our listeners who aren't terribly familiar with him, uh, who is he? What kind of player is he? Who does he maybe remind you of? Uh, he's from Bari. He's uh, He started out as a central midfielder and then moved forward into like a number 10 role played on the wing for a couple of years on loan with Cremonese in Serie B uh, then came back to Florence last year moved into central midfield and was I think maybe the maybe after like Jeremy Boga was the biggest surprise in Serie A as a player he's what 22 now 23 23 yeah yeah 23 uh, and he's a fantastic dribbler he carries the ball through the lines past people incredibly well uh he rarely loses the ball he's his passing is still a work in progress sometimes he's really good he'll pick a good pass he can he's got the range to switch play really effectively sometimes he can be a little bit too peripheral to the action be a passenger I think what people don't appreciate about him enough is his defensive work rate he wins the ball way more than you would expect like a fancy dribbling central midfielder to win it I think last year he was, ah, geez, like eighth in the league in ball recoveries or something, which speaks to his just incredible levels of fitness and commitment on the defensive end, which is good because when Giuseppe Yukini is your coach, that's pretty much all you're going to do. So, I, yeah, uh, he's been just incredible this year too. He's got, he started scoring goals. That was the one thing everyone complained about with him last year was that he didn't score enough. I think he finished with three goals on the season. He's got four so far, added another assist, and he just looks like he looks like the next great uh, attacking-minded midfielder. I don't think he's a real 10. I don't think he's as comfortable that high up. I think what makes him really special is that he can 
pick up the ball in the middle, dribble past one man, two men, and then all of a sudden he's running with the ball at speed straight at the defense, and that just deforms an opponent's shape in a way that he can lay the ball off and let someone else really create from there. But he's is a the kind of that secondary creator. He's as good as probably anyone in Italy. Yeah, I, I focused on him a lot in our match preview I put this morning. Um, definitely Makes one sense. of the hot, yeah, definitely one of the hottest players in the league right now. I was really shocked that he's putting seventy percent of his shots on target. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's not sustainable, but that really nope. speaks to how informed he is. And then I think that if I off the top of my head, um, his goals per shot so like zero point four. Yeah. So he's really making the. He's just on fire right now. He is, and it's a good thing because none of the strikers can score, so you got to <laughs> hope those goals come from somewhere else, yeah. Okay, so if Castrovilli is the Batman, who's the Robin? Who's the next man up on Fiorentina? Uh, Frank Ribery, I would say, is probably right, the next yeah. man up. I mean, and I'm not going to describe Frank Ribery because he's been playing, like, at the top level for what? I mean, since you were a kid, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, every, everyone knows who he is at this point. Uh, after that, Milenkovic at the back has been superb. And then after that, it's frankly a little bit grim. So let's move on to your uh, next bullet point here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to think who was when I was a kid. I didn't I didn't really like soccer until I was in my 20s. But I'm trying to think of like maybe who some of the first players I ever heard of. Um, do you remember Tony Miola? No. This, this is when uh, so World Cup '94, and then the MLS came into existence like a year after that. Tony Miola was a keeper um, for I think at the time they were called the Metro Stars. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, he, okay. then he, I don't know if he quit or he retired, but then he tried to become a place kicker uh, for the Jets. <laughs> so it was really weird just seeing him out there. I mean, it makes sense because they're soccer style kickers, but yeah, that was one of the first names I ever heard of, uh, but I wasn't really into the sport at the time. Uh, Dang. All right. Uh, Rui Costa. He was one of the first people I came familiar with. Okay. Yeah. I seem to remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. As a, uh, as a Fiorentina fan, fan, that yeah. one, uh, might ring a bell or two, yeah. Or just these names that stuck in my head. Um, yeah, uh, so you know, you know who it is for me is Lee Gutterman. Do you know Lee Gutterman? I don't. He was a baseball player. He was a relief pitcher for the New York Mets in the early '90s. He was absolutely, he wasn't good at all. Okay. But I got a baseball card for him when I was in like, I don't know, I was probably like five years old, and it was the first baseball card I ever got. And it was Lee Gutterman, and now I will never forget. Wow. Lee Gutterman. So yeah, I don't think I had. Yeah, I don't know that one. Um, yeah, no, we're going deep cuts now. <laughs> All right. So I, another bullet point in our preview was just the the similarities between our two sides so far. Um, so tell us, uh, at least for a Roma perspective, they for the first time in a few years took advantage of the free agent market. So we signed Pedro, uh, and then we got Mkhitaryan, who wasn't strictly a free agent, but he finagled his way to buying out his contract with Arsenal. So tell us about the Viola's two free agents, Jack Bonaventura and Jose Callejon. How are they settling in? Uh, Jack seems to have settled in pretty well. He's started, I think, every game so far. Uh, I, you know, matter of opinion, I think that he probably shouldn't be starting. I'd rather see someone like uh, Eric Pulgar, although he's recovering from coronavirus, or Alfred Duncan, who was who started in the uh, first game against Torino, coincidentally, which Fiorentina won. Uh, and has not been seen since, and he is fantastic as a player himself. Uh, I think he should be starting to add some more solidity to that midfield. Uh, Jack has been fine. I mean, he's, you know, a general 5.5, 6 out of 10, I think. Like, 
doesn't add too much, but he's not an active problem. Uh, Callejon took a little bit longer to get settled in because it was a last last minute deal. So we're only just now starting to see him. I doubt he's going to start against Roma because he played almost the full 90 minutes in the midweek against Mighty Padova. Uh, they got so he's... a bit of trouble with that one, huh? <laughs> not, nothing unexpected. I mean, the, the worst thing Fiorentina can do is go up 2-0 because that means they're going to concede and then probably concede again and possibly concede a third time. That's really their most operandi. Did I uh, see this correctly or am I envisioning things? Did Callejon get rid of the mustache? He did shave off the mustache. Yeah, he's much more aerodynamic now. That was a good look for him, though. I, it's, I, it's strange yeah. how mustaches are coming back. Like, yeah, are you, when are you going to grow one of those out? Uh, I've never done that, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my neighborhood. When I was a kid, everyone's dad had a mustache. Oh, yeah. Like oh, for sure, yeah. So it's I, like a generational thing, but it's like beards have come back over the past like decade, I'd say. But over the past couple of years, I've seen people like unironically sporting mustaches. I, yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, I... I I, uh, I should, I, you know, am a fairly face hair growing person. And, uh, I didn't shave for like a few days a while back and shaved that Cuyahone mustache on maybe like last year and walked out of the <laughs> bathroom and my partner just stared at me like, are you wearing lip liner? What is going on? And then looked at, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You definitely are Italian. There it is. Yeah, it takes a lot of skill to keep a mustache that thin, I would imagine. Um, yeah. I, I do like the midwinter beard and things like that, but I just, they itch so much, I can't stand them. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I know, uh, what was his name, Moscardelli? Remember him? God, that was magnificent. I, I will say, uh, Fiorentina have their goalkeeper, Bartłomiej Dragowski, sorry, anyone Polish listening, I know I butchered that, has a really good beard going right now, too. He looks like an 18th century hussar, I think. <laughs> Uh, occasionally he'll rubber band it up into a knot on the bottom of his chin. It's really cool. How's, how's he doing, by the way? I remember there was, I think last year, there was some match where he had like 17 saves or something crazy like that. I was like, man, Roma got to get this guy. How's he doing? He's, he's, I think, the most underrated goalkeeper in Italy right now. Uh, yeah. he, every, I think every game he makes at least one save that makes me go, how, like what sort of, fracture in the physical universe just occurred to let that happen like he Fiorentina would probably not have a win yet if it weren't for him he is just absurd yeah I I I, I love the man even though he wears number 69 which is still <laughs> sort of embarrassing for a guy who's not a teenager anymore but like the, the Rob Gronkowski of Syria is what you're I think about. he I mean I'm I've looked at his age, and so, like, I think it's possible that, like, maybe one of his parents was born in 1969, and this is his way of honoring them, but, like, dude, you at least got to come out and say that if you're just going to wear number 69 and not tell anyone what's going on, like, we're all going to draw some conclusions, man, and it's basically that you're a middle schooler. Right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we have uh, tomorrow's kickoff uh, is at noon Eastern time, um, nine West Coast, so... We talked about Castroville. We talked about Vandermontura, Cajon. Uh, just give us sort of broad strokes. Um, what's going well for Fiorentina this year and what's not going well on the pitch? Mm, what's going well for Fiorentina? Hey, you're asking me the tough ones here. Uh, I'm going to say that they have some very handsome players, which I like. Yeah. Uh, what's going poorly is everything else. Uh, they 
their defense has been atrociously bad. Uh, they had the best defensive record in the league last year after Yakini took over. And this year they've kept one clean sheet, and that was in the first week against Torino, who look like they're getting relegated. So I'm not super impressed with the defense. Uh, Herman Petzela has been out hurt. He's going to be out for this one. Uh, so I think that Roma are probably going to get goals, frankly. There, there's no preventing that. Uh, yeah. The midfield's been broken. I mean, you they spent a lot of they've spent a lot of money improving that, bringing in Sofian Amrabat, Jack Bonaventura, uh, Borja Valero, who's back, although he's hurt right now, also. And the midfield just can't keep the ball. No interest in possession. Uh, yeah, then none of the strikers actually score. So pretty much everything's broken, which is kind of a. Uh, you know, this is the situation normal if you're a Fiorentina fan for this past half decade or so. So right. it's great. Everything's fine. It's been a dead heat, though, over the past six matches between our two clubs. Two wins apiece, two draws apiece, two defeats. So it's anybody's game, it seems like. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, I meant to bring this up a few minutes ago, but you're talking about uh, Yakini. So fair to say that he's uh, sort of Damocles hanging over his head? Oh, I, I mean, he's. I would be surprised if he makes it through the year. Uh, I, I think that it makes perfect sense that he has stayed on. I mean, everyone was like, oh, they signed him to a new contract last year. That's crazy. Not the case. It was a one-year contract with the club having an option for an extra year, so they just picked that up because they couldn't sign any of the guys they really wanted. And after all the instability, trade, changing coaches, Pioli, Montella, Montella, Yakini. I mean, at that point, just stick with someone for a little bit, Get get everyone, let everyone get their feet under them and then go. So I, I get not making a change just for change's sake. I think that was probably the correct decision, even if watching his team's play makes me want to claw my eyeballs out because it's just not fun at all. It's, yeah, it's seldom a good idea to have Montel as your coach for too long. But we've seen oh – um, so we've seen – I think a lot of the same people connected to Roma's job when Fonseca seems to get in trouble. So you have Maurizio Sarri, obviously. Uh, yeah. now Spalletti. And so the the big one that set our site on fire over the summer was that just brief centillion of a rumor that Daniele De Rossi might take his first coaching job yeah. straight away with Fiorentina. And we're seeing up in Juve with uh, Andrea Pirlo, who was originally supposed to be the U23 coach, sort of fell into the job and it's not going so hot. But when that rumor came out about De Rossi going to Fiorentina, people were up in arms. But I think um, he just means so much to Roma fans. I don't know if I'd want his first job to be with Roma. Did you yeah. take that? Did you take that rumor seriously at all? Was there any credibility to that in your eyes? No, no, not at all. I mean, he he hadn't even passed his exams at Coverciano, so he was not uh, licensed to coach a team at that point. So, like, it it would have been pretty crazy to hire a guy who literally couldn't do the job. Like, he he wouldn't have been allowed to coach on the sidelines. He would have had to have technically have been an assistant. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's a way around that. Look at Suarez yeah. with his Italian citizenship test that they almost the wheels for. That was uh, – I loved that so much. That was really funny. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I heard a little bit of resumption of the De Rossi chatter this past month is springing up. I, I, I don't know. I think that uh, Rocco, from what we can tell, loves him as a player and thinks he's awesome, but I think he's also probably a little bit – too sharp to make to take such a risk on an unproven commodity at this point because like you know 
the the next coach he appoints is really going to be the defining one for his stint is is the boss and so i don't think you want to put that on a guy who's a legend elsewhere and has never coached before and you have no idea what he's going to bring to the table that that's a crazy gamble and i don't i don't think rocco's going to take that frankly i think he's going to go after sari or spalletti yeah could be um yeah, I, I I almost feel like the Rossi's faded to be Roma's coach someday. His father is our youth coach, and he just yeah. he has that look or that feel of a player who's going to be a good coach. It's always sort of the uh, the unsung heroes. I mean, he's a fantastic player, but it's always like the midfielders, players like that, never the star striker who becomes a good coach. Yeah, honestly, I'd love to see him succeed there. I think that'd be a wonderful story if he took over at Roma and had like a long stretch in charge, and they played really well, and then he rode off into the sunset to enjoy retirement. I think that would be. Just, I mean, just from a narrative perspective, I would yeah. love that. That'd be, that'd be a good story. All right, so we're winding down here. So, like I said, we're about uh, 23 hours or so from kickoff. Um, Tito, why don't you give us a score prediction and maybe some scores? Who's going to win? Who's going to score? Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because Fiorentina can't defend right now. And after watching Roma against Cesca, I know it was the backups, but the struggles against set pieces where Fiorentina tend to be pretty good. That that really jumped out at me. So I'm going to say it's going to be like a 2-2 or a 3-2 kind of game, uh, especially with all the injury updates, Patella being out. So, yeah, I'll say uh, realistically, let's call it 3-2 to Roma. Uh, Fiorentina go up 2-0 in the first half, which is just the kiss of death for them. Uh, I'll say that Milenkovic scores off a free kick and then uh, – Oh man, uh, maybe Bonaventura gets his first like scrambles one home on a counter, and then Jeco uh, is definitely going to score. But that's just a foregone conclusion. I feel like, and then uh, I'm going to assume that Jordan Veritu will score a penalty because that's that just how that works. Yeah, the, again, the narrative, and then that uh, Gianluca Mancini scores a header off a free kick to win it late. Okay. Uh, yeah, I also think it's going to be three-two. Sounds good. I could even see four-three to Roma, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, like we said, it's been two wins, two draws, two losses apiece over the past six, so I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I like your three-two. I'll say uh, Castro really gets two. Um, I'll say Vertu penalty. I like that. Uh, Jacko, and then let's say Ibanez scores one from the back line. Ibanez, oh, I like that. Why not? All right, so before we wrap this up, it just sort of popped in my head. Um, so you had a really entertaining piece, entertaining for an outsider at least, about the sort of most crushing sales from Fiorentina to Juve. <laughs> yeah. Um, not so many crushing sales between Fiorentina and Roma, but I'm going to ask you, who is your favorite player to play for both clubs? Now we're counting out uh, Batistuta because that's too easy. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're not going to include a story because everybody loves Davide story. Yeah. So fair. those two aside, who is your favorite player to play for both clubs? Oh, boy. David Pizarro. It's got to be David Pizarro. Yeah. I I mean, how do you not love Peck? Like the (laughs) the guy, the guy's just awesome. Uh, I loved him in Florence. He was the, he was absolutely the heartbeat of those teams. He came to you guys after us, right? Yeah. 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 He, uh, he spent that year in with uh, Manchester city, I think. And then. Yeah. You might be yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm pretty sure I am. And then he joined Fiorentina on a Bosman, and everyone thought he was washed. And he had two more seasons where he was just absolutely incredible, and then one more after that where he was 
you could tell the legs were starting to go pretty hard, but like, whatever. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to double check. Cause I sure. know, I think, uh, I think of Claudio Reina, the American player, he played for city prior to the takeover and they kind of look alike. Yeah. <laughs> Both have the black hair, prominent eyebrows. I'm going to go the other way. A player came from you to us. I'm going to go Adam Yayich. Oh yeah. 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 Call them. I would, I would think, I don't know if I've ever seen a player as skilled as him. He's just so – I'm going to change my rating here from clean to explicit. He's just so fucking good. Yeah. But he's just, just never so been able to put it together. Yeah. I I feel like Fiorentina might be responsible for that after Delio Rossi attacked him on the sidelines. Like That's when right. your own coach right. starts throwing punches at you, that's bound to do weird things to your development. Did they have so, Jajic and Jovetic at the same time? Yeah, they had Lajic and Jovetic, and it, everything was beautiful and nothing hurt there for a little bit. Is that Ivana? That's Ivana get line, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorites. Hey, you know, try to class up the joint a little bit. Learn a lot about pick, Tupac. Yeah. yeah, pick up, pick up after ourselves when we leave. You know, try to, <laughs> try, we try to be agreeable fans. Like, you know, no one's going to dislike Fiorentina. Like, we're unthreatening. We're polite. Like, we make literary references. What do you want from us? That's true. All right, I think uh, I think we did a good job there, Tito. So uh, put a wrap on this one. I think this is. Uh, our eighth or ninth episode now in our, right our new adventure. Um, so big thanks to Tito for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you are trick-or-treating tonight, I'm not sure how that's working in parts of the world. Um, if you have any bunner fingers, take them out. I'll set up a PO box for Tito. Uh, I'll take your M&Ms and your sweet tarts. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, you, sub- you can subscribe to us on any of your major podcasting platforms and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you.